Christmas is God is with us. Easter is God is for us. But Pentecost is God is in us. We classify ourselves as Pentecostals because of an experience that happened in Acts chapter 2. The scripture says on the day of Pentecost, we are called Pentecostals because of an experience that 120 people had 2,000 years ago in a room as they were praying. Pentecost was a holiday that the Jewish people celebrated. The Feast of Weeks, where they gathered their bread up and waved it before the Lord. And one of the things that the priest would do is as he would have the dough, he would wave it before the Lord or lift it up to the Lord. But before the priest would lift up the dough or the bread up to the Lord, guess what the priest would do? He would tie two loaves together and make it one loaf and lift it to the Lord as an offering. 2,000 years ago, God did something miraculous. He took the Jews and he took the Gentiles, which are non-Jews, and he put them together and made one church, one loaf of bread. Pentecost is not just about an experience. Pentecost is a day where we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit, but we also celebrate that the Holy Spirit has broken down racial barriers and gender barriers, socioeconomic barriers. The Holy Spirit has now unified our hearts together, no matter what color of skin you may have, no matter what kind of life you may have. What kind of, uh, what kind of uh, job or employment you may have. The Holy Spirit brings us all together for one mission. And that mission is, is to preach the gospel of Jesus around the world. You see, it's Pentecost Sunday. When I was growing up, Pentecostals were known as backwoods. We were known as uneducated. In fact... Now, in 2022, Pentecostals are now considered one of the main line churches in the world. Some of the largest churches in America and some of the largest churches in the world are now Pentecostals. Pentecostals is one of the first movements to ever ordain women into ministry. Pentecostals were known to ordain women as pastors and missionaries and send them throughout the world. The Assemblies of God denomination, which is their headquarters, is in Springfield, Missouri, is one of the biggest Pentecostal movements around the world, and they send out more missionaries than any other denomination in the world. The world's largest church ranks in the hundreds of thousands. It's in South Korea. It is a Pentecostal church. It used to be pastored by Young Yi Cho. You used to have to have a ticket to get into a Sunday morning worship service. At one point, their membership scale registered over a million believers attending their church in South Korea. They experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. In Latin America, 
the Catholic Church now is succumbing to the Pentecostal movement because the Catholic Church, according to Philip Jenkins, and I quote, they're losing members by the hundreds and going down to the Pentecostal Church, end of quote. In other words, the Catholic Church has now understood that they must change their practices or their members will be lost to the, Catholic, to the Pentecostal Church. A great revival in Latin America is sweeping the Catholicism, Pentecostals, and Presbyterians. The growth and the impact of the Pentecostal movement is greater than we could ever imagine. It is one of the biggest movements within Christianity. The first great movement in the world is the Catholic Church, which is over a billion followers. Right under the Catholic Church is the Pentecostal Church. It's quickly, by the year 2025, it will have over 800 million believers. Just think about it, my friends. On the day of Pentecost, which was 2,000 years ago, there was 120 disciples. But now there are millions of us. If you want to push the envelope, global Christianity is 2.3 million. And I said that, and I've said this before, but Jesus is going to come back for more than what he left. Amen? He's coming back for more than what he left. I would argue that some people attend a Pentecostal church because they love the music or they love the preaching or they're very passionate about the church service because it's high energy. They love the experience. Some people love the supernatural experience that the Pentecostal church teaches and endorses. But yet there are some people even today that have questions about the Pentecostal church and experience. And I get it. Because if I was not a Pentecostal and I would come to a Pentecostal church, I would have questions too. When you see people speak with tongues and shout and lay hands on each other and pray the prayer of faith, that can be odd to some people. And I understand that. If you wasn't raised in it, it could be strange at times. But let me just remind you that just because you don't understand doesn't mean it's not true. Some people may have bad experiences. And they're forced to do things that has made them uncomfortable. And I want to remind this church this morning, this church, and I as your pastor, will never force you or make you feel uncomfortable in this church service. I will never do that. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and I want your heart to be receptive to receive. I will not push you on the floor. I will not teach you to speak in tongues. I will not make you do something. I will not do that. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he comes to hearts that are receptive. And I've been in this thing long enough to know this, that the way the Holy Spirit moves on me will be different the way he touches you. And that's all right, because we're all different, and we respond differently. Some people are quiet. And we celebrate that. Some people are not. They're more exuberant in their worship. And that's okay. You don't ever need to feel bad if you're quiet in church service. If you just want to come and observe and learn and grow, that's fine. Some people may experience the supernatural. And that's fine as well. I am just glad you're at church because this is the best place to be. Now, let me just remind you, the Bible says in Luke chapter 11 and verse 13, you say, well, pastor, I I don't understand. 
the Holy Spirit. And every year on Pentecost Sunday, I preach a message about this. And I want you to notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you then be an evil, knowing how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So God will never give you something that's of the devil. You can never, if you are a Christian and you love Jesus this morning, I reassure you, you will not get something that's of the devil if you love Jesus. Did you hear what Jesus said? If you, being evil, knowing how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will I, the Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? There's no reason to be afraid. The Holy Spirit is not a cloud. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The scripture records the Holy Spirit is a person. He is a part of the Godhead. One God who expresses himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Remember what John said in John 14, verse 17? The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells in you and he will be with you. So let me just say this. If you are a born-again Christian and you have repented of your sin, and you believe in Jesus this morning, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. He lives, he moves on the inside of you. You know, there's a, somebody once said, there's a difference between a rowboat, a rowboat, rowboat and a speedboat. A rowboat, you have to row it yourself. You got to do it yourself. You got to put manpower in it. But a speedboat moves because it's based upon another power source. And that's what the Holy Spirit is like in your life. The Holy Spirit is like a speedboat. It moves. You're moving. You're, you're living your Christian life out because there's another power source connected to your life. Can I hear an amen? There's another power source connected to your life. You see, what does it mean to be a Pentecostal? What does it mean to be a Pentecostal? I'm going to give you the clearest definition of what it means to be a Pentecostal. It means this, to love and to know Jesus. I think we can all agree on that. How many loves Jesus? And how many wants to know Jesus? And sometimes when you love Jesus and you know Jesus, sometimes you experience Jesus. You may experience Jesus differently than I experience Jesus, but we will experience Jesus. Because listen to me, church, Christianity is not a dead creed. Christianity is not a dead religion. Christianity is not something we just do on Sunday. Christianity is living and breathing and active because the Holy Spirit lives in us and he moves in us. He's actively changing us to be more like Jesus. Is there anybody in the building that say, Pastor, I want to know Jesus and I want to experience Jesus. Some people go to church to know Jesus and to learn about Jesus, while others go to church to experience Jesus. And as a Pentecostal, listen to Pastor, as a Pentecostal, we want both. We want to learn about Jesus and we want to experience Jesus. I learn that Jesus is a healer, but I want to experience that he's a healer. I believe 
And I know that the Holy Spirit came 2,000 years ago, but I want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, as Pentecostals, we believe, listen to me, we're not called to check our minds out of the front door. You're called to use your mind, to love God with your mind. And that is why the mission of this church is fourfold, to love God with all of our head, heart, hands and feet, head, what you know, knowledge, content, heart, relationships, experiences, the power of God, hands, serving, feet, sharing. And I believe that if we can do that, we can have a more balanced Christianity. Head, heart, hands, and feet. I want to know God. As I was studying this week, there was a scripture that came to my mind. Actually, I, I've read it, but it, it, you know, you can read scripture, but now it became very powerful to me. And, and I don't know if Bo, if you could put it behind there, but this is a scripture that really spoke to my heart this week. And, um, uh, Man, have you ever read scripture and it was like, it hit you like a ton of bricks? It's found in Jeremiah chapter nine. I mean, it really hit me like a ton of bricks. And when I was reading it, I'm like, man, this scripture is awesome. And you may not, you may, it may not do anything for you, but it did a lot for me. And I want to read it to you. Jeremiah chapter nine and verse 23, Jeremiah chapter nine and verse number 23, listen to what the Lord is saying, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. Can, can, can I read that scripture again? Is there anybody in the building that just felt what I just felt? Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Let him who glories, glories in this, that he understands and that he knows me. Is there anybody that says, Pastor, I want to know God. I want to know God. That I am the Lord exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in this I delight says the Lord. What does it mean to be a Pentecostal? It means to know God, to love God, and to experience God. Now, I know that maybe some of you went to a Pentecostal church, and you saw some weird stuff. And let me just break it down to you. Pastor Josh and this pastoral staff and the elders, we're not in to the freaky stuff. The Holy Spirit does not bark like a dog. The Holy Spirit doesn't, come on somebody, he doesn't cluck like a chicken. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he fills us with power to do the mission of Christ. Can I hear an amen? Matthew chapter 4, you know, <laughs> well, praise the Lord. I'm just going to go, I, I read it on Facebook, I'm trying to, you know where I'm going, Pastor Brandon? I sent it to Pastor Brandon. There was somebody on faith. Boy, I went to service the other day and the glory was so strong, I lost weight. I almost messaged that prophet and said, Where are you? Where are you going to be at next week? Because I need a. He says, Boy, I, he, said, he said, I think he said like six people lost. He called it supernatural weight loss.
I heard three people say, count me in. Instead of falling down the Holy Ghost, Lord, just give me the weight loss and that'll be okay today. (laughs) But let me tell you something, and I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying this. If you get filled with the Holy Ghost, you are to be a witness for Jesus and more powerful for Jesus. The question you got to ask yourself is, what am I doing for Jesus? How does weight loss help you? Well, I guess, let's go on. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. And when Jesus, and Jesus went about Galilee, and listen to this, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. You see what the, Jesus did? It's head and heart and feet. Jesus preached to them, and then they experienced healing. Look at what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only. Do you see what this is saying? The gospel didn't come to you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit, in a much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Paul said, the gospel didn't just come to you because I just preached it. The gospel came to you with the Holy Spirit and with power. Can I hear an amen? Is there anybody in the building in 2022 that you really believe that Jesus is to be sought after, but Jesus can be experienced in your life, not only in this church, but Jesus can be experienced in your everyday life? How many wants Jesus to change your life radically? How many knows that no doctor, no therapist, no pastor, and no church can do for you what Jesus can do for you? Now, is the pastor good? Is the therapist good? Yes, they're all good. But Jesus is always better. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I just tell you something? And I've told you this before. I have spent the last 15 years in school, and I'm not boasting about that, because as a little boy, I remember on the front seat, and I've told you this before, I had an experience. I remember strategically something happened in my life, and I remember coming to the front, and I I couldn't even stop shaking. I didn't even know what it was. But I remember my grandmother and those pastors laying hands on me. And I remember I cried and cried. I couldn't stop crying. I didn't even know what I was crying about. Didn't even know what I was feeling. But I know that something was happening on the inside of my life that I couldn't explain it. But I know as a little boy that I had an experience with God that has propelled me to where I'm at today. And I want to let all the parents know that baseball and basketball, that's really important, but you need to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. I know we give mental assent to that, but we don't really practice it, do we? Got to have an experience with God. Dead religion is not going to do it. Dead religion is not going to do it. Saying creeds and going to church and singing our song, it doesn't do it. They've got to have an experience. When I had an experience, I grew up, and then when I grew up in the Pentecostal church, I wanted to know more. I wanted to learn more about the Bible. 
What I didn't know what God was doing. God was saying, I touched your heart, but now I want to touch your mind. I want you to learn and I want you to grow and I want you to couple them together because the word of God doesn't just come in proclamation only. It comes by the power and the presence of God. You see, this experience of Pentecost has been around since the day of Pentecost. But Pentecostals can trace our recent roots back to 1906 in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles and Azusa Street, a little mission. People got filled with the Holy Spirit and it lasted for five years. It's interesting that in 1906 in Azusa Street, those early Pentecostal believers, they didn't really have an agenda. They would just come to church and sit for hours And then the Holy Spirit would descend and somebody would get up and preach and somebody would sing and somebody would testify and thousands of people were converted on Azusa Street in Los Angeles. A few years ago, I went to Los Angeles, California to preach at a district function. And as I was there, me and some pastors went down to the Azusa Street in downtown Los Angeles and we walked downtown to the street. And I'll never forget when we got there, there was a sign there in Los Angeles, downtown, a huge sign, and I took a picture of it, and I wish I would have thought about it, you could have seen it, but, but the, the, the picture was, it was green and white, and it said this, this is the spot of the worldwide revival in 1906, Los Angeles, California. Boy, as I was there, I started shouting around that pole. And listen, no joke, there was a man sweeping the sidewalk because he had a bakery there. Of course, I'm, I'm an extrovert, so I'm a, I, I talk, so I went over to the guy. I said, so, so what happened to the building, the, 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 the building where this great revival occurred? He said in broken English, he said, well, about three years ago, they tore it down and blah, blah, we put a sign up. And I said, oh, okay, okay. And I'm thinking, why didn't somebody buy it? You know, it would have been a great historical marker. And then he said this. I introduced myself to him. He said, in broken English, Josh, he said, uh, 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 I feel the Holy Ghost as I sweep the, 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 the floor out here. I, every day I feel the Holy Ghost. I said, sir, do you go to church? He said, yeah, I go to the Roman Catholic Church up here, but I feel the Holy Ghost every day when I sweep this floor. I was like, <laughs> I said, I, you know what I want to do? I want to dance with you as you sweep this floor. What I'm telling you today is that the Holy Ghost is not just moving in our circles and our churches. The Holy Ghost is crossing denominational barriers. He's moving in the Catholic Church and the Baptist Church and the Presbyterian Church because there's people that love Jesus in all denominations and all the Holy Ghost needs is a heart that says, Lord, I love you. Hallelujah. So thousands of Jews were, came on a holiday called Pentecost. And the priest was outside with some dough. He was making bread because it's called the Feast of Weeks. It's the barley season. Mixing the dough. And he makes one loaf of bread. He makes another loaf of bread. And as the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, that priest lifted up those two loaves of bread and tied them together. And what he didn't know, symbolically, 
the Holy Spirit was in Jerusalem, taking Jews and Gentiles and making one loaf of bread. He was making one church. And the Holy Spirit says, from now on, there's no such thing as the nation of Israel, and you get all the blessing. Now the Gentiles are grafted in. Now the gospels to non-Jews, the gospels to African Americans, the gospels to Latinos, the gospels for men and women. Now the Holy Spirit is not just poured upon the priest. Now the Holy Spirit is poured out upon every man and every woman. Now men can preach and women can preach because the Holy Spirit is doing something new. He's raising up a new generation full of Holy Ghost power to go out and declare the gospel of Jesus. You see, in the Old Testament, the priest would sprinkle blood upon the mercy seat and God would forgive the sins of the people of Israel. Moses, remember, he sprinkled blood upon the faces of the people, the Jewish nation. Sometimes, in certain baptismal rituals, they would sprinkle water. But now notice what Joel says in Joel chapter 2, speaking of the coming of the Holy Spirit. I will pour out my spirit upon all men. I'm not just going to sprinkle it. I'm going to pour my spirit out upon all men. It's interesting to me that these, I mean, just think about the Easter story. When Jesus was crucified, he was resurrected. He ascended to heaven and 50 days later is Pentecost. We just celebrated Easter. 50 days later is Pentecost. That's how it was 2,000 years ago. Jesus ascended to heaven after his crucifixion and his death. And 50 days later, there was a holiday called Pentecost. And these people were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting to me that Peter wasn't even at the crucifixion. As a matter of fact, only one person was at the crucifixion. His name was John. So the question is, is where was the other 10 disciples? Judas took his life. But where was the other disciples? The scripture tells us they were hiding behind closed doors. They were fearing their life. And Jesus was getting ready to be ascended to heaven. And you know what Jesus says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8? They'll put it behind me. Look at this. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is right before Jesus goes to heaven. He says to those believers... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Look at verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up in a cloud and received out of their sight. What would cause weak timid disciples to be transformed into prophetic preachers. I mean, these disciples went from questioning Jesus to answering questions in the book of Acts. They went from listening to the scriptures from the mouth of Jesus to quoting the scriptures in the book of Acts. They went from hiding behind closed doors in fear to publicly proclaiming with boldness the name of Jesus. These disciples, most of them were weak and timid and afraid. Most of them were a coward. 
No one showed up at the crucifixion but John. All of them was fearing for their life. But right before Jesus goes to heaven, he says, all of you all are going to receive some power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's exactly what happened. Do you know what changed these weak, timid believers into powerful prophetic preachers? It was the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit came upon these weak, timid, coward preachers, they become bold preachers for Jesus. And that's exactly what we need today. We don't need a weak and sick and timid church. We need a strong and bold and vibrant church who will proclaim the message of Jesus, not only behind this pulpit, but not afraid to proclaim the message of Jesus in the streets. Let me tell you something. You need the Holy Ghost just to go to Walmart. At least I do. Because y'all know the other day I was uh, y'all want me to tell myself? Tiffany's like, sweetie, I need some allergy medicine. But you don't have to go. But you know when they say that You have to go. Not really, but I'm going to be a good husband. So I get up, my shoes on, get in the car. I'm like, oh, it's 930. And I'm driving down to Walmart. She sends me a text about the picture of the medicine she needs. So I glanced at it. Seriously, I just glanced at it. And I took a turn and I didn't see the pole so guess what I did I hit it and then I said to myself I cannot believe I hit this pole and I bind the devil that's trying to kill my life (laughs) the devil wasn't trying to kill me I just didn't pay attention so guess what happened I totaled my car oh it's okay because that day we were together in the car and the check engine light came on and we barely made it home and it didn't, I couldn't, the engine wouldn't work. And I said to Tiffany, I just think this car ain't going to make it much longer. And then I, I, and I, I didn't pay attention, towed my car. And so I thought to myself, I cannot believe I didn't pay attention. Tiffany's like, I can believe that. I, I really can believe that. And when I called her from Walmart, I said, honey, I, I got an accident and I, and, and I need you to come and get me. She didn't need, she was like, you sure you got at Walmart? I said, yeah, just, just come down. So she comes down and when she pulled in the park, all she did was. And I said, honey, I promise I didn't mean to do it. I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. But I want to let you know I survived. I got a testimony. <laughs> I survived it. But let me ask you a question. What would make weak, timid followers of Jesus into powerful preachers? It was the Holy Spirit. And you know why it was the Holy Spirit? Because these people had to deal with a lot. Those early disciples, they were beaten. They were put in jail. They were put in dungeons. They were threatened. Some of them were burned at the stake. Some of them were stoned. Some of them faced famines and persecutions. Some of them were shipwrecked. Some of them suffered hunger and thirst and cold. Some of them suffered nakedness. But they kept on keeping on. Do you know why? Because the Holy Ghost is a steamboat. And there was another power pushing them on. 
And what we need today, we need the Holy Ghost to infiltrate this church because we got a lot of people giving up on Jesus. A lot of people want to give up and a lot of people can't take the stress. And a lot of people can't go to churches. Too many churches are complaining. And no, no. What we need is an endowment of the power of the Holy Ghost to make us to keep on keeping on. And when you signed up under the role of real commitment, you, you signed up to finish this thing. It's interesting. The Romans called Via Dolorosa. You know, Via Dolorosa is the walk that Jesus took to the cross. Do you know what the Romans called it? The Romans had a different name. It was called the one-way street. Do you know why it was called the one-way street? Because when Romans executed you and sentenced you to be crucified, you couldn't turn around and go the other direction. You had to carry your cross to the place of execution. And my point is this. When you really serve Jesus, the road is called the one-way road. There is no turning back. There is no giving up. There is no, come on, negotiating with the, there is a decision. It's one way and I'm going all the way for Jesus. Is there anybody that's made up your mind you're going to go all the way for Jesus? Leonard Ravenhill said it like this, God is not concerned about filling empty churches. He's concerned about filling empty hearts. I am asking you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came, they spoke with tongues. It's a language to God. They were endued with power and they spoke a language to God. And the Holy Spirit can give you a language to speak to nations. But then there's also a prayer language to God. Sometimes in my own life, I don't know what to say to God. So I speak to God in that heavenly language. Because you don't speak in tongues and I speak in tongues doesn't make you, doesn't make me more spiritual than you are. It doesn't mean you don't have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit if you're saved. But there's another experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Nothing to be afraid about. It's a free gift. Listen, in closing, Isaiah 64 verse 1. This is an interesting scripture. Interesting scripture. And the reason that I'm not touching everything about tongues is that's a whole different sermon. I just want you to get this point. I just want you to seek after Jesus and let God do the rest. Can I hear that? Just seek after Jesus. Don't, don't seek after tongues. Seek after Jesus. Don't seek after an experience. Seek after Jesus. Run after Jesus. The Bible says in Isaiah 64 verse 1. I love this scripture. I'm going to close with it. Oh, that you would rent or render the heavens. That you would come down. That the mountains may shake at your presence. Listen, church, look at me. That's my prayer. This is what Isaiah said. Isaiah said, oh, that you would come down. Oh, that you would come down. Isn't that what we need? Isn't that, isn't, shouldn't that be our prayer? Oh, that you would come down. My prayer is today, Lord, Come down like you came down at the bush of Midian.
come down, Lord, like you would come down on the tabernacle. The glory was so heavy that the Bible says the priest couldn't even stand to minister. Come down, Lord, like you came down on Mount Sinai and where the mountain was covered in smoke and fire. Come down, Lord. Come down, Lord, like you did in the temple of old. And the doors of the temple would shake because the glory was so heavy. Come down, Lord, like you did on the day of Pentecost and the 120 people were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come down, Lord, like you did in the Philippian jailhouse where the jailer and their household was saved in one night. Come down like you did in yesteryears with fire and glory. Lord, come down to Christ Point Church in Galena, Kansas and baptize us once again with the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is there anybody can lift your hands and say, I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you today, there is still power over sickness. There is still power over disease. There's still power over demons. There is still power over mental illness. There's power over oppression. There's still power over depression. There's power over poverty and power over leukemia and power over cancer and power over heart disease and power over lack. We need another Azusa. We need another Pentecost. We need the Holy Ghost to come and shake us again and Send the power of the Spirit again. We need the Holy Spirit again. Stand to your feet across this building and give God a shout of praise and give God glory for He's worthy to be praised, worthy to be praised. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.